I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. I hope that you have found this information about the watches that I have shared with you thus far interesting, fascinating, or if nothing else, a matter of curiosity. Many people think that I'm a Jew, and I assure you that I am not a Jew, although I don't know what that would matter if I was. I'm not a Jewish proselyte either. No, I'm a Gentile, like most of you. I am of the nations. I don't know why that would matter one way or the other. To say the least, it is of no matter to me. But if you dig into God's word, you'll find rich history of the Hebrew, Israel, and the Jew. I have enjoyed studying these blocks of time throughout the Bible, these watches. I assure you that what I am presenting you is merely scratching the surface. If I were to delve into these watches, these blocks of time in great detail, I'd have to set aside a year, a whole season, of the Watchman Speaks to do so. I understand that I tend to geek out on the scriptures. I ask questions. I pray. I meditate on those scriptures and I seek answers. However, I realize that there are not as many who are as nerdy as I am and could care less. Therefore, I offer rudimentary basics in hopes that I may catch others in my geek, nerdy snare. For me, it's fun. I have set my heart to know this God I serve. I love learning about my Heavenly Father and what He had to say. It just so happens that I believe He meant what He said. Therefore, I can conclude that He said what He meant. Now, we've talked about how the emissaries of evil have been ramping up through the darkness of the night and how the light of Jesus has overcome darkness. As we progress throughout today, Watches, we will see just how much Jesus has overcome the darkness. One of the Bible verses that sums it up all the night watches, at least to me, is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 16, and that reads, For they cannot sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. Now just imagine... There are entities out there that cannot rest unless they cause you to stumble and fall deeper into darkness. Then, stop imagining it and accept it as a fact, because it is true. But the instruction of our Lord and Savior in Matthew 5.16 is a means by which we have a constant and consistent day spring in our daily lives. Matthew 5 verse 16 reads, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now there are those who tell you you're not saved by works and that works are dead. And they would be correct to some extent. You're not saved by works. You're saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Works, however, are not dead. James, the brother of Jesus, said that faith without works is dead, meaning 
If you have true faith in what you believe, then works will be a byproduct of that faith. Jesus' words in Matthew 5.16 indicate that our works are to be such as to glorify the Heavenly Father. As well as the rising of the sun has implications of the light of Christ on the believer so that others will see that light and God, the source of that light, is glorified. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 through 4 reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings will come to the brightness of your rising. Now it says to arise and shine, but it does not say to arise and let your light shine. It says to arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. The glory, the light of the Lord, is reflected off us in a manner that can be seen by all within our realm of influence. Notice it says that darkness will cover the earth, and darkness has covered the earth. But it says that a deep darkness will cover the peoples. However, even though the darkness has covered the earth and a deeper darkness has covered the peoples, the glory of the Lord will appear upon you. And get this, nations will come to your light. Now it doesn't say that nations will come to us or that we will become popular, famous, or wealthy. The nation's coming don't have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with the glory of the Lord, the light that reflects off us. Now, some pastors or authors today will tell you that they are the light. God has given them the added authority over us lesser beings. That's a lie. That is not biblical. They tell you that control you. The action that should be taken is to turn and walk out or just simply not buy the book. These men and women project their own light through a lens of self-manufactured authority to deceive the flock or the would-be reader. They will tell you that God exists to give you what you want, to promote you to some want-to-be position, and to give you a life on easy street. That is not what Jesus said. Jesus said that if you love him and take a stand for him, then you will be persecuted. Plain, simple, no fluff. But did you know that it was during this watch from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. that the modern church was birthed? Let's look into the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verse 15. And this is Peter speaking. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. In Acts 2, 17, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, let's address the unknown tongues that is so often preached about here. There are no such thing as unknown tongues in this instance. Verse 6 says, And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. The Bible documents some 16 nations hearing the apostles speaking in their own native language. What does that mean? Well, it means possibly a couple of things. One, Galileans were speaking in foreign languages that they were not familiar with. And two, 
there were 11 apostles and 16 nations present. So is it possible that the apostle's speech was directed to ears that were divinely altered to hear what was being spoken as their native language? I don't know. However, I do know that Peter made it abundantly clear that all this occurred during the third hour of the day, which would be between 8 and 9 a.m. during the first watch. That, I would say, makes this a powerful watch in which to pray. Holy Spirit was poured out upon mankind during the first watch. What makes it even more powerful, in my mind, is the fact that it was the day of Pentecost. Oh, what's Pentecost? Pentecost is a Greek word that means literally 50 days. Okay, so what's the significance of that? Well, uh, it's 50 days after Passover. Passover is the 14th day of the month of Nisan. Therein you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then the Feast of First Fruits. Pentecost, or the 50th day, has a Hebrew name. It's called Shavuot. It's a Feast of Weeks, which is seven Sabbaths, one day after Passover. It is a feast heavily pregnant with expectation and provision of the early harvest. What better expectations and provision can one hope for greater than the Holy Spirit? I can't think of any. And this is only one of the reasons that I enjoy celebrating the feasts of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit of the living God was poured out during the first watch on the 50th day, Pentecost, at the Feast of Weeks to celebrate the early harvests. Wow. Now here's a concept that you might consider in relation to this watch. Prior to the Passover of Christ, there was the law. However, after the Passover, Christ arose on the third day and walked the earth in a resurrected state until when? Until just before the pouring out of the Spirit. When was the Holy Spirit poured out? In the first watch of the day. The law was but a foreshadow of something better to come. Jesus, Yeshua was that something, for by his blood we were delivered from our sin according to the law. Many say that in Jesus, in doing so, he nullified the entirety of the law. He did no such thing. Sin, fleshly desires, condemned us according to the law. Ah, but here's where to think of many become construed. Now we have Holy Spirit and the power of Holy Spirit to resist sin in the flesh. Sin has by no means ceased to exist, and I dare say even thrives within the body of Christ. The fleshly desires have not ceased to exist. The old man, as Paul calls the flesh, is buried in the likeness of Christ, and a new man is raised in the Spirit with the power of the Spirit to resist sin. Well, pardon me for saying so but I'm seeing a whole lot less resistance in these days than I once did. In the book of James, chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it reads, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Huh, let's unpack that for a few minutes. Submit to God. 
submit. Uh, that's total submission. There is no, I'll be turned loose later, and I'll continue with what I started. Submission is total surrender. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we resist? We simply say no when the opportunity is presented that would cause us to sin. It's simple. It's easy, but it's hard to do. But because we have submitted to God and have the power of the Holy Spirit, that same power of God that raised Christ from the dead, we have the ability and the power to say no to sin. We simply do not choose to sin. The passage goes on to say that we as sinners are to cleanse our hands. What does that mean? It means that we repent and we turn away from sin and our fleshly desires. It says to purify the heart, you double-minded. It means if you claim to follow Jesus but are continuing in what you know to be sin, you're double-minded. You do not have decided which master you are going to serve. The power to repent or turn away from sin was granted to us during the third hour of Pentecost. So in essence, it was a time of healing for the world. This watch is one in which we should pray for healing. But there is another task that we can attribute to the power of the Holy Spirit. That task is the sharing of the gospel. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And that reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now that's a mouthful. And the meaning is deeper than a casual reading in the English language reveals. Let's look more closely. You will is an imperative absolute. You will receive power. It's not you could, you should, or you might. You will receive power. What is this power? It's power of the Holy Spirit. It is a strength or power that is not in or of yourself. It is a supernaturally or divinely given power. In Greek, the word for power is dynamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. When do we get this power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But then let's look at you shall, which is another imperative. It is a command. You shall be my witnesses. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. Let's look at the Greek word for witness. That is martis. Martis means even unto death. And it's where we get our word martyr from. A martyr is one who loses their life for maintaining the witness of Jesus Christ. Therein lies the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. Not only that one can be a witness of Jesus Christ and lose their life willingly and do so, but to do so knowing that their own resurrection is coming. That power, that spirit, was poured out on mankind at Pentecost during the first watch. Well, right about here, I'd like to interject a verse from Isaiah chapter 60, again, verse 19. And it says, No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your Lord for your glory. Just think. The time is coming when we will not have to look for the rising of the sun to start the first watch of the day. Nor will we pray by moonlight fighting off the adversaries. 
to be in the presence of God's glory is worthy of any sacrifice I'll have to make in this lifetime. But there I am talking about works again. I don't get my wings according to my works. I will, however, one day be judged by my works. Now let's look a little more closely at how the Lord and Savior Jesus observed the time of the watches. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. It was during the first watch that Jesus was presented to Pilate. I believe I've already made mention that the first watch was a time to pray for healing. How can that be when the ruling forces of Rome over Israel were being asked to judge and condemn Jesus who is without sin or crime? Where's the healing in that? Well, it was the first step in the direction of the crucifixion. And friends, in that crucifixion, there is healing. It seems that I recall Jesus telling one of the criminals that was being crucified beside him, Today you will be with me in paradise. That is a form of healing. Mark chapter 15 verse 1 also attributes the first watch as the time when Jesus was brought before Pilate. It says, Early in the morning the chief priests and the elders and scribes of the whole council immediately held a consultation, and binding Jesus they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Luke 22, verse 16, also attributes the deliverance of Jesus to Pilate during the first watch. You know what amazes me? The fact that Jesus was being judged, having committed no crime or no sin during the first hours of the first watch. And on the other hand, the Spirit of the living God was poured out during the same time, only 50 days later. What's the correlation? I don't know for certain. But I believe these two events, one taking place on Passover, on God's feasts, and the other taking place 50 days later on another of God's feasts, which was Shavuot, or Pentecost, both during the same time of the day has to have some significance. Exactly what that significance is, I'm not sure. But I believe it is worthy of noticing and being aware of in its occurrence. It might have something to do with the irony that Jesus was being judged wrongly and Holy Spirit was poured out to guide us towards being judged rightly. Now, I'm not saying that being aware of these events happening at the same time of day is in any way connected to your salvation. So please, spare me your accusations. I am saying that God observed these times, this watch, to correlate with two of his feasts for some reason. I don't think that he aligned those things to occur in happenstance fashion for no reason. To think that all this happened by mere chance the way that it did is to deny what has been written. It was the fulfillment of prophecy written hundreds of years earlier. I will say this. It demands my attention. And who am I? I'm no one. I'm nobody. Who am I to tell you or anyone else anything? Again. I'm nobody. I'm sharing with you what I have found studying God's Word, and I am more than intrigued with what I have found. Certainly, I find myself being more and more amazed at how the times and events line up and come together with shocking accuracy and precision. 
Consider the ninth day of the month of Av. I've covered this in previous episodes. God destroyed the first temple, Solomon's temple, via the efforts of Babylon on the ninth day of Av. I guess that would show how much importance God places on a building. Consequently, however, the second temple was destroyed on the ninth day of Av, 656 years to the day after the first temple was destroyed. I am amazed at how God orchestrates such things. So during the first watch of the day, Holy Spirit was poured out on mankind 50 days after Passover when our Lord and Savior was crucified at the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and during the first watch of the day at Pentecost. Bear in mind that leavening or yeast, that which makes bread rise, was indicative of sin in the Old Testament. What did Jesus do at Passover at the Feast of Unleavened Bread? He delivered us from our sin. What did the outpouring of the Holy Spirit do? It was a provision for greater outcome and greater harvests. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But do you know what else Jesus did during the first watch? He took a beating. He took a beating that was so brutal that it was difficult to recognize him as a living human being. If such a beating would take place today, and it has, it would cause such a global uproar, and it did. I'm speaking of the Hamas attack on Israel, October 7, where infants were beheaded or placed in ovens and roasted alive. But now get this. Remember when I told you the Holy Spirit poured out on man in the third hour between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning? Our Lord and Savior was nailed to a cross during the same watch between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning. When Jesus was nailed to the cross that day, little did anyone know the Holy Spirit would come to guide and direct believers during the same watch to the precise hour of the day, 50 days later. It was the beginning of Jesus' death, and it was the beginning of life being breathed into the modern church. I can't make this stuff up. I'm convinced that God works in time that he created and observes that time and how events are manifested along his timeline. The time and events occurring in that time are simply too amazing to be coincidence. Pray for healing during this watch and pray for deliverance. Pray for wisdom and repent. The stakes are too high not to do so. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel, and you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.